Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. We have a great show for all of you today. Official announcement, last quarter is here. Can you believe it? Last quarter of 2018, fourth quarter of 2018 is here. Honestly, I can hardly believe it. (laughs) This year has flown by uh, and three months left. And here's the shocking part of the three months that we have left. We don't really have three months left. This is a reminder for all of you who didn't listen to our series that we did a couple weeks ago on basically your fourth quarter plan. Realistically, I added it up this morning with another coaching client. We may have 90 days left this year, but realistically, if we're lucky, you've got about 40 days to work. If you take out the holiday weeks and the weekends and the time you're taking off and all the other things that normally and naturally happen this time of the year, you really don't have that much time left this year to get your act together. And, but here is the good thing. This is the perfect time of year to be drilling down. I'm going to give you the top three reasons why. Number one, most other realtors give up this time of year. By, matter of fact, it's not just real estate people. Most people in general give up this time of year. This is the time of year where basically if people didn't hit their goals or even you know start on their goals, they're going to say, screw it, I'll start, to, start next year. So that's normal, lazy human behavior. So that's good if you want to basically uh, realize that this is a great time for you to take advantage of your competitors being asleep at the wheel. They check out. <laughs> this is a joke we have, but it's so true. Um, last year we asked all of you guys to send us pictures of your real estate office um, around basically around now, you know, look to see how few cars show up, how few agents are around it, towards the end of this month, especially. Literally, they're gone. They're out of business. They might as well have just turned their real estate licenses in and said, I'll see you in the spring because that is what their behavior tells the world that they're doing. And they go as far as to telling, you know, sellers and buyers that it's a horrible time to have your house in the market. They, the market for individual agents uh, slows down because they slow down. So that's interesting if you're deciding that you want to start cranking down on your production so you can have some momentum going into next year, which brings me to point number two. Point number two is your new year, 2019, has already officially started because the work that you're doing now is going to get you paid in the spring of next year. Look, I know when you call sellers, some of the sellers are going to say, listen, we just want to hold off till the spring. Here's what you say, Mr. S- Mr. Seller, you know, after you use our objection handler trying to you know, tell them this is a great time to have the house for sale, you're, that's a very difficult objection to overcome because unless they absolutely positively have to sell – and they have to sell you know, soon, they're going to put it off till, the, uh, till next year because they don't want the hassle over the holidays. I mean, it's kind of an understandable objection. So don't just give up. When they say, we want to hold the house off the market till the spring or put it, back, or put it on the market in the spring or if it's an expired, put it back on the market in the spring, you ask them, okay, great, Mr. Seller, so what does spring mean to you? Because most agents make the mistake of calling in May or April. But by that time, they've already listed with somebody else. So the best time to have, Mr. Seller, I don't know if you realize this, but the best time to have your house for sale is going to be actually in January. So we actually beat the spring market, and we're not, we have less competition. Makes sense? Good. Now you have a listing in the future, but you see how that listing is going to uh, be essentially something that pays you. Not, let's say you get it listed January 15th, or you try to get it listed now, but just uh, 
date the contract so it doesn't start till the 15th of January if you're in that situation. You can still get houses listed now because it's only really the beginning of October. But watch, come November 1st in about a month, you're going to have that objection. That's fine. Just follow the pattern that I just uh, shared with you. Um, but then, you know, post-date the contract. Make sure you get the listing contract signed. Whenever possible, get the contract signed because then you don't have to worry about some other agent uh, swooping in and taking the listing away from you. When you get the listing contract signed, it's very important that you don't you know, obligate yourself to a price because the market's changing. market's going to change fast over the next six months. You guys are going to see that happening. And the third reason this is an excellent time of year to be working is because we talked about the fact that most agents aren't working this time of year. By most, I mean like 95%. We talked about the fact that uh, essentially you're working towards the future. You're working on your spring inventory already. But here's the other reason that Julie and I always love this time of year selling real estate. It's because there's so many damn expires, and the FISBAs lose <laughs> they lose confidence. And the you know centers of influence and past clients are they're in good moods. You know for the most part, this is an easier time to build momentum this time of year than it is in the spring. I, I'm going to say that again because it's so critical you understand. This is always and always has been. And Julie and I have been in the business for over 20 years. Fourth quarter was always our favorite time to be in the business. Less competition. So when you go, went on a listing appointment, you weren't competing with two other agents. People were, generally speaking, in better moods, you know, centers of influence and past clients. You could do more social events. Let's be honest, there were more, you know, days off because of the holidays, so that was a little bit less stress, too. But really, the best reason was, frankly, is when you called an expired listing, nobody else was soliciting them. Look, I don't consider direct mail solicitation. That's just lazy. No one's going to read those. I'm talking about people calling. And the for sale by owners, the unrepresented owners, they're not getting – you guys get the point, right? So, look, you do have a limited amount of time to do uh, business and have closings yet this year, for sure. There's going to be a lot of natural, normal slowdowns that happen for the next uh, three months. But this is the perfect time for you to actually t be – essentially take the opposite stance than maybe what you've taken in the past – and do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Work around the schedule. Grab a calendar, look, you know, October, November, December, and mark out the days you know for sure you're not going to be working. And on the days you are going to be working, just put a big green dollar sign on those days. And on each of those days, I want you to drill down. We've talked about this in the podcast, and obviously we give you a very elaborate uh, plan for this for uh, regarding the um, – hold on a second. I have to tell somebody to go away. Um, it, we have to – basically, long story short, mark the days you're going to be working. And on the days you're going to be working, what you need to do is you need to write down a minimum standard of what you're going to be doing every single day, three to five things. And I'll give you what those minimum standards are, okay? I'll make it easier on you. You can adjust, but don't adjust too much. Whatever your magic number of listings, you need to have at all times. And if you don't know what that is, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. We're going to give you the book, Real Estate Treasure Map which is your fill-in-the-blank business plan. And part of the real estate treasure map is helping you figure out what your magic number is. Magic number is the number of listings you need at all times to meet and exceed your financial and personal goals. Okay? So there it is. So your magic number, uh, the magic number formula, is part of that real estate treasure map book, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. So let's say you determine that your magic number is 10. You need 10 listings at all times to meet or exceed your financial goals. Perfect. Here's what your minimum standards are for fourth quarter. You need to make 10 real contacts per day 
And by contact, I mean in person or over the phone. Uh, nothing digital is considered a contact, not in the real world, and certainly uh, not direct mail or anything like that. Ten real, if your magic number is 10, you need to make 10 real contacts every single day, every single of the work days. The days you put the green dollar sign on your calendar, you need to be doing 10 real contacts. Number two, when you get a listing lead and you go on a listing appointment, any listing lead, anything that smells like a listing, your lead follow-up rule and I know a lot of you guys have these stupid drip campaigns. Guys, wake up. There is every single bit of research that's ever been done on long-term lead follow-up. And this isn't new research. This goes back forever. So it shows you that long-term lead follow-up is basically a waste of time. Agents do long-term lead follow-up because they don't want to actually be good at short-term lead follow-up. So they just figure I'll throw them in a long-term lead follow-up system and hope and pray that over time, if I have enough in there, that the numbers are going to work out in my favor. But they don't. So get really good at your short-term lead follow-up. And here's your lead follow-up rule. They'll list with me or maybe somebody else, but let's hope not, or they're going to file a restraining order against you. <laughs> That's it. So there's not a number. We're not saying call them seven times, email them seven times, text them seven times. Screw that. You're going to call them, and you're going to stop off their house if it's a seller that has to sell until they either list with you or maybe you lose it or somebody else or they file a restraining order against you. That's how aggressive you have to be this time of year. Number three, your centers of influence. These are minimum standards, right? Your centers of influence and past client uh, list, which you don't, if you don't have one, we're, go back and listen to past podcasts, and we tell you how to put it together. Or if you're in Premier Coaching, Julie has lots of coaching and training on how to put that together. But you should, if you have, let's say, 100 people, many, many of you have more, but if you need to divide the number of centers of influence and past clients that you have by the number of work days you're going to have for the rest of the year. And every single day, you need to make a – now, look, centers of influence and past clients, you are always going to be better to call them. But on those guys, you can be a little bit lazy, and if you want to just uh, essentially you know, call them, and then if you can't get a hold of them, leave a message – then you maybe want to follow up with a message on Facebook or whatever or text them and something like that. But those folks, you don't need to be as aggressive because they don't have their hands in their air and they're not saying, yes, I have a house to sell. Number four, and this one's going to be optional, but I want you to seriously consider it anyway. Um, if you're not in Premier Coaching, if you're not in our coaching program and you're telling yourself, and I know a lot of you do this because we always have a bozillion sales in January, most of you put it off until, the next, until next year. Look, I'm going to be happy to have you as a member of our coaching program in January, but my strong suggestion is you actually start today. Again, because if you start in January, you're going to have to learn our listing process. You're going to have to learn the pre-qual scripts. You're going to have to learn the pre-listing pack. You're going to have to learn all the business organizational things and the marketing and the lead generation things starting next year. Screw that. Do it now. So seriously consider becoming a member of um, our premier coaching program. And the fifth thing, and I'm going to say this is optional, but truthfully it shouldn't be, I know many of you need to lose weight. And by many of you, I, need, I mean like all of you need to lose weight. You should seriously consider not doing what everyone else does and waiting till January. You should seriously consider getting your butt to a place like Orange Theory now. And don't gain a bunch of weight over the holidays. The older you get, the harder it is to lose weight. The, those of you who have had these ups and downs in your weight, where you figured, oh, I'm going to go on the latest whatever diet, and then I'm going to lose all this weight, and you notice most people gain all the weight they lost, plus about 10 pounds, after about six months. I listened to a great book on this over the weekend. 
the moral of the story is you're going to have to basically change, uh, have a long-term uh, life, uh, a lifestyle commitment to staying at a certain weight, and then eventually your body actually will adapt to the lower weight, and it won't be fighting against you to gain the weight back. Because really, our bodies want to want us to accumulate fat. All of our bodies do. Our bodies don't naturally want to be lean, especially as we get older. So, my suggestion to you is don't wait until January 1st to essentially, you know, join your gym or do Orange Theory. Again, this is another thing that people do. They'll make a commitment. I'm finally going to lose my 20 pounds, which is, let's be honest, really 40. And I'm going to start in January. No, you'll start in January, but then you're going to quit by the end of February. That's what everybody does. And by the time it's January, you'll need to lose another 10 pounds because you ate your way through the holidays. (laughs) Don't forget that part. That's right. Julie, I heard an interesting statistic, and you heard this as well. And, and mm-hmm. listeners, I want you to really listen to what we're telling you right now. We're, look, we're not going to bullshit you. We're not going to tell you what you want to hear. We're not going to placate you. We're not gonna, you guys listen to the long-term podcast. Or pod, or if you're long-term podcast listeners, 167,000 of you listened the other day. We have This is the most listened to daily podcast for agents. Why? Because we don't waste your time. That's why. But I want to share with you guys a statistic. I hope you go back and listen to the five things and the little plan for the rest of the uh, fourth quarter that I just gave you. It is solid information. It's going to put money in your pocket. It's going to make it so that you can have a strong year finishing out this year and an incredible 2019. I hope you listen to what I said. It absolutely will work. So here's an interesting statistic, and this comes from a NAR study. Um, Julie and I went to actually an EXP Realty um, event last week. And uh, the, one of the presenters had this statistic. I thought it was so important. Uh, what was it, Julie? Yeah, 80% of all sales in five years will be done by people that don't have their li- real estate licenses today. Wasn't that yep. the statistic? It was like 83%. Yeah, thought, it was crazy. Yeah, it was a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. about that, I mean, doesn't that really kind of emphasize the importance of essentially if you do what everybody else does, you're going to get what everyone else gets. And for, for the most part, what everyone else gets uh-huh. is just failure. I mean, it doesn't really kind of drive it home more than about anything. So, so mm-hmm. listeners, I, you know, 83% of all the sales in five years will be done by people that don't even have their real estate licenses today. That, to me, is kind of shocking. You know, mm-hmm. shock, it's sad. So I just asked you guys to consider doing real work in fourth quarter and not just doing what everybody else does because I don't want you to fail. I don't want your family to suffer. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to think something was wrong with you. I don't want th- you know. I don't want you to basically think that if you just do what everyone else does, you're going to somehow succeed because what everyone else does results in failure. We're going to tell you what you don't want to hear, and most of what we're going to tell you is the complete opposite of what everyone else is telling you, because Julie and I are delivering a message to you, and we're not going to stop. That is about what's best for you. That's what's best for the person delivering the message. I'm not going to get on a soapbox, listen to past podcasts. I've gotten on a soapbox millions of times before. The reality of it is, is this is the best industry, best business. You, congratulations, you're, you made an incredible business move. You're now in the real estate business, or you've been in the real estate business, and now it's time for you to start acting like a business person. The work you have to do going forward is going to be significantly different than the work you think you have to do if you truly want to be successful. By successful, guys, and I'm going to define that too because there's not really more than one definition of success when it comes to business, okay? That's just touchy-feely bullshit. Success is profit. Success is the profit you make from helping people buy or sell, you know, essentially transact deals. 
Success is the profit that comes as a result, not the revenue, guys, not the number of units you did. We need to stop celebrating so-and-so sold 400 houses. Great. How much did they actually net? By net, guys, and some of you don't know, it's actually how much money they had left after they paid all their business expense. You will be shocked when you see how little people are netting, especially the big producers. They're making like nothing. Julie and I are setting up some interviews for the podcast, and we're interviewing some people that have de-teamed. And uh, you know, some of these uh, teams have sold five, six hundred houses per year. It's famous people, you know, famous teams, people that have been on stages, people that had all these awards and plaques, and now they sort of went through almost like a they. I don't know how to describe it other than when you listen to them, when you talk to them, they feel like they've been deprogrammed. They feel like you, it's like watching one of those shows on HBO where people were in a cult and didn't know it, and then they finally get out of the cult, and you, they kind of, you know, kind of still have that zombie and glaze team in recovery. Their eyes. Yeah, exactly. Team recovery. That's that's what, how a lot of these people sound. They sound like literally they were in cults and they didn't realize it, and you know, until they were passing out, you know, roses at the airport with their head shaved, and they go, "Hey, you know, maybe I made a bad decision." <laughs> so, <laughs> that's by the way, guys, that was a cult in the '70s. I never actually saw that. It's just kind of a joke. It's kind of outdated. But those of you who are our age, you'll understand what I'm talking about. The Moonies. It was a cult. That's what they used to do: white robes, shaved heads, roses at the airport. So. Moral of the story here, guys, is you still have plenty of time this year to make this your best year ever if you take it seriously. But most importantly, what you're doing is building momentum for next year. All right, so we're going to talk today about how to eliminate the real estate night sweats. Julie, what do you mean by that? Well, so this is when you wake up in the middle of the night with any number of real estate-related thoughts like, oh, my God, did I get the termite inspection done? Or how am I ever going to negotiate that inspection? Or I know that that listing is at least $100,000 overpriced. Am I going to be able to hold it long enough to actually sell it? Any of these types of uh, things. And, of course, lead follow-up falls into that. What happened to that lead I wrote down on the napkin when I met them at a cocktail party? You know, these are stressful things that keep you up at night. But the actual definition of stress is that it is a specific response by your body to a stimulus, such as a fear or a pain, that disturbs or interferes with the normal physiological equilibrium that you have. Now, here's what, where I'm hearing it on coaching calls right now. As your markets are shifting, you guys are actually taking more listings, that's true, but you're also having to have longer relationships, more price reductions. And here is what I've heard I don't know, on three out of five calls with really great top producer experience types of agents that are having to experience this again, this type of real estate night sweats. Why would I want more listings if I have to deal with this? So that's a level of stress you guys have got to come to terms with. Your job is to help people. That's why you get paid. Profit is the result of helping people buy and sell real estate. And your reaction should not be, I don't want more listings, for example. It should be, I need to learn how to better manage this. So that's one flavor of real estate night sweats. But, but it Julie, can we hover there? Discomfort. Yes. Listen, so I, I listened to your uh, premier coaching. You had a premier coaching session last week. And I was uh -huh. listening to you help an agent out who had like eight or ten listings, and she'd never had that many listings before, right. and she was freaking out about it. So, uh -huh. and, and Julie gave her a very succinct, you know, this is what you do next type thing. But, guys, we have, as far as premier coaching, everything you need to maintain a large listing inventory as far as systems and checklists. Every single thing Julie created years ago for our own real estate business is it, what's a 90-day uh, seller? What's it called? The 90-day 12-week seller? 12 12 week seller communication okay. plan, for example. 
right. um, yeah, so that you guys can manage more list. I think it's a huge blessing that you can have more listing inventory. That's when you start to self-generate your leads. It's a, it's a great blessing, but you have to be able to get yourself there mentally, especially through a transitioning but, market, and handle right. it. So the point is, is that many of you don't know how to man manage a large listing inventory, and you're making it too difficult, and you're trying to figure sure. out as you go. At the same time, you're you know feeling anxiety because you you feel like you're letting your sellers down. You probably are. So just use the seller communication plans and use the other systems we have in place. Uh, remember, Julie and I actually sold real estate for a long time at a high volume. So our systems and the systems we've refined since being in coaching, doing coaching for the past 20 years, is going to make it so that you don't have to experience real estate night sweats and you can confidently build your listing inventory. That's your goal. That's your objective. So if you are freaking out because you've never managed a bunch of listings before, go through this. You know, I don't want to coach you on how to manage it right now because Julie needs to get through her points. But you do need to seriously consider enrolling in Premier Coaching, and we're going to walk you exactly you. through how to go. Exactly. We'll walk with you on this path as you build your inventory up to your magic number of listings. Don't just run in fear and say, oh, my gosh, I can't manage sellers. I can't manage more than one. Oh, my gosh, this is not something I know how to do or have known of anyone that's done. Who cares? Learn how to do it. It's not that difficult. Julie? Nope. But it is a mindset shift for many people. So the word stress – it causes discomfort to you emotionally, physically, mentally, financially. The word stress itself is a shortening of the word distress. Now, stress in real estate is primarily due to a feeling of lack of control. It comes from lots of angles at times, and you cannot ever eliminate it entirely, but you can control your emotional response to it. The negative effects of not being able to handle stress in real estate are many. This is one of the major differences. I hope you guys are listening. This is absolutely one of the major points of difference between top producers and everyone else. And I would say it is one of the reasons why in the next couple of years, 80, whatever the percentage was, 83% of deals will be done by people who don't even have their license yet because there is high turnover. Part of that is because people can't handle the perception of stress. Notice I'm saying the perception of stress. It's how you're reacting to things. So the inability to deal with stress manifests itself in lack. Here's where you have to be really honest with your ability to get in front of this. Lack of income, lack of control of your lead generation, lack of client control, lack of emotional stability, lack of predictability and in income, anxiety, depression, 3 a.m. real estate night sweats, not stuff you want to be ignoring. So when you do conquer your stress and take the control back, you'll enjoy a higher income, happier transactions, more repeat and referral business, better sleep, enhanced emotional stability, and a much more predictable and duplicatable business. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot better to me. So here's a secret. This, this gets to uh, really being honest with yourself and being introspective. This may be uncomfortable for some of our listeners. Hopefully they haven't all hung up yet. So uh, here's the secret. Some of you use this, I'm so stressed mantra as the subconscious preventative for earning more money, helping more people, handling more business. Oh, I'm so stressed. You keep telling yourself that you just can't handle it. This explains feast and famine tradition of real estate. Some brokers will actually tell you it's normal to have feast and famine. That's just part of the business. But our job is to help you break free of that bad habit by understanding how to deal with stress. So we're going to get into some specific action points to help you get away from the stress, help you manage it, help you get in front of it. So ready for our points, Tim? And then this will 
Go for it. It'll be a two-parter for tomorrow. Okay, so point number one, above all else, remember, and this, this may be the most important thing, you are here to be of service. Be committed to being the solution, not the problem. Stress is many times in real estate self-created, and that's the easiest stress to eliminate. So whenever you feel anxiety bubbling up, say the affirmation, I am here to be of service. Today, I will take action to provide the highest value for all of my clients and prospects. Stress is the opportunity to help each others, help others at your highest level. Your skills really are not all that necessary or appreciated when everything goes perfectly, okay? People do not appreciate you at the same level as they do when you are actually the problem solver. So you change your mindset to, okay, here's a great opportunity for me to be of service. I think that goes a long way to keeping your head screwed on straight. I used to deal with this with our transactions all the time. I, you know, I would get into the whole I'm so stressed thing, and then I would have a really difficult client thank me for figuring out how to get them to close. And then I'd feel better about it. But it, it's hard to remember that in the moment. So that's something to write down. Be of service. Maybe even put it on your whiteboards in your office. Point number two, meditate. Meditation is the practice of mindfulness and the focus of intentions. Meditation melts judgment and insecurity and calms the destructive chatter of your mind. Just this is a simple meditation. Breathing in and out, even just for 10 minutes, it will recalibrate your mindset. Try doing that before you pick up the phone to deal with whatever the stress du jour is. Just this. Um, You know, when I was dealing with uh, pre-concert nerves with my music stuff, I would have a mantra, I would say, I'm confident and competent to remind myself, because one of my music teachers said, have you practiced? Do you have the skill necessary for the performance? And if the answer is yes, then really you have nothing to worry about. But when you're in the moment, you have to remind yourself of that. So related to this would be point number three, and then we'll wrap up after this. Think before you speak. This means before you speak to others, but also before you speak to yourself. Get out of judgment and into curiosity. Instead of using judgmental words like always and never, instead adopt, it's too soon to tell. Make a commitment to not call a volatile agent, broker, client, or prospect back when they're upset. Instead, require of yourself a 20-minute meditation. You'll find both you and they are much more calm, more reasonable, and less stressed. I'll never forget in some of our deals, you know, somebody would leave a, a really crazy, stressed-out voicemail. And I can't remember where I originally learned to give it a 20-minute meditation. <clears throat> but it was not unusual that after that 20 or 30 minutes, when you call that person back, whether it was an agent or a prospect, whatever, whoever the volatile one was, that by the time that 30 minutes had passed, not only were they more calm, but they already had created their own solution. Whereas if you call them back in the moment – when they're freaking out, you just jump right into that mud pit with them, and it gets worse. It, it was very common for the problem to actually have resolved itself. I'm sure you remember well, what you're talking about negotiating what, and price reductions and things of that nature, right? What you're talking about, in essence, is the fact that um, what happens, guys, is when you're under a lot of stress, you make, generally speaking, most people who even think they make great decisions under stress make terrible mm-hmm. decisions under stress. 
So the move to make, unless you're experienced, if, unless you're operating on a very, very high level of, what is it, Julie, Un, see, conscious competence, right? Unless you're yes. operating at a very, very high level, you're not going to make very good decisions under stress. And so the move to always make is um, do what Julie suggested, the 20-minute thing for you know obnoxious voicemails. But the other move to make is just literally sleep on it overnight. There's been all kinds of studies and research we've talked about on our show before that shows you're, when you have a big problem to, to work on, it doesn't matter what it is. It, it, look, guys, it could even be a medium problem, right? Your subconscious mind will work on it overnight for you, and you'll wake up in the morning, and you'll maybe have completely different insight than had you basically tried to operate while you're under stress making a decision. So the suggestion is, is when you're faced with some sort of decision, um, just sleep on it overnight. Literally, lateral your brain to to you know, decode the puzzle and figure out if there's a different solution. Add to this, even if you think you have the solution and it's a relatively you know, significant decision, still sleep on it overnight and, still, and see if you have the same resolution in the morning. These are little strategies that um, I've learned over, over the last you know, 48 years, and many of you guys are, have figured out along the way as well. But when you read books about psychology or you read books about folks that are essentially, you know, have accomplished massively amazing, significant things in their lives, in some form or another, they always have the sleep on it overnight uh, system in place to, uh, you know, work on the big decisions of life. Do the same thing, guys. It makes a significant difference. So, look, stay focused, guys. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Keep your foot on the accelerator. We started this year. And with a mastermind that we put together to keep everyone motivated going into the new year, we're probably going to do the same in, in the next 90 days. But in the meantime, if you haven't purchased our book, it's on Amazon. It's called Harris Rules, number one international bestseller. We have an updated version that's going to come out in about a year. But get that book. That book also is a great way for you to model your business uh, for 2019. Just remember what I'm asking you, or please consider what I'm asking you to be a rule that you live by. Know that your year, your new year has already started. Go back and listen to the top of this podcast on what you should, the five things that you should consider doing every single day for the rest of this year. The accumulation effect of doing those things every single day will have more of a profound impact on your life than you can possibly imagine. Don't do what everyone else does and just procrastinate and wait. Because when you procrastinate and wait, you're probably never going to do it. Do it now. Do it when everyone else isn't doing it. Don't follow the herd. The herd is almost always wrong. <laughs> Guys, walk around. That's why everyone else is overweight. That's why everyone else is basically doesn't have you know, very significant financial uh, standing. That's the reason that everyone else in real estate is chasing buyer leads and buying leads and doing dumb things because they're just doing what everyone else is doing. Don't do what everyone else is doing unless you want to get the results that they're getting. So if the people around you aren't getting the results that you want to get, stop doing what they're doing. Makes sense, right? So guys, listen, if there's anything we can do for you, please email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.